Welcome back. You're listening into the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Here on the Locked On Podcast Network, you give us a half hour of your time every weekday. We'll give you everything you need to know about the Minnesota Golden Gophers, again, every single Monday through Friday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, I'm Nate Dickinson, your host, also sports director at KATE Radio here in Albert Lee. Coming up on today's show, yesterday was the first day of signing for college athletes across the nation, who I guess right now are still high school athletes, but have made their decision in a number of sports, including basketball, hockey, and all those kinds of things. We'll talk more about the names that the Gophers have in just a moment, and then later on we'll also break down in our show the two men's basketball players who will be coming in in the fall of 2021 for Minnesota. A couple of big guys with some mobility as well, and I'm liking the way those two look after I looked at the tape. We'll break down some of that tape in just a little bit. Again, that's coming up after our first segment here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. But as I said off the top, You give us a half hour every day, we give you everything you need to know about the Gophers, so let's dive right into the news that's topping things around Minnesota right now. Of course, the big deal is signing day, and we'll get to all those names in just a second, but first, an announcement from Minnesota Gopher football that Joe Rossi, defensive coordinator, is back with the team. He did not make the trip over to Illinois in the Gophers' 41-14 win. Now he has himself another big test, facing off against the Iowa Hawkeyes tomorrow night, and we'll at least look into that game a little bit more later on today, too. We'll talk a lot more about it tomorrow, and we do have a guest coming on, too, from Locked On Iowa to discuss the matchup as well. But the key is today, at least, that Joe Rossi is back. It appears he'll be able to be with the team when Minnesota faces off against Iowa Friday night. And, of course, that's a good sign. A chance for him, too, to have his first game where he's coached to less than 40 points allowed, where he's actually been at the game. Uh, Again, a little bit of a dig on Rossi, but we talked about him last week. He doesn't deserve any sort of flack for this team doing so much better without him. Anywho, moving on to these signees that the Gophers got yesterday. For men's basketball, it was Kenny Poto and Trey Thompson, a couple of three-star recruits. We're going to break down, of course, everything in their game in our next segment. On the women's side... Lindsay Whalen and the Gophers able to sign three recruits, Katie Borowitz, Maggie Zanano, and Alana Michaud. Those three hoping to, after the 2021 school year, help the Gophers get back to the place they had been in the last couple of years under Whalen. On the hockey side, Gophers signed three recruits as well, Chaz Lucius, Rhett Pitlick, and Tristan Bros or Braz, but I'm really hoping it's Bros, spelled B-R-O-Z. Those hockey players seem to have the best names, don't they? That's a look at what's going on around Minnesota Gopher news right now. Again, we'll get more into some of the prospects that Minnesota has coming in after signing day in our next segment. But before we do that, I want to start off with someone who is not signed to the Minnesota Gophers as of now. As a matter of fact, he hasn't signed anywhere or even committed to a school. He's right in the Gophers' backyard and is one of, if not the, depending on which recruiting site you're looking at, best recruits in the nation. For 2021. If you follow this at all, you already know I'm talking about Chet Holmgren. And there's, of course, been rumors of whether or not he could come to the Gophers. As of right now, 24 7 Sports lists the three top teams that he's quote unquote, quote unquote, warm on, as far as like hot, warm, cold, cool, whatever. They use that ranking or meter to gauge things. It's the Gophers, Gonzaga, and then Michigan. And again, These 24-7 sports sites or ESPN or any other site that does all this stuff, they're working with a limited amount of information, but I do trust that they have at least a feel of what's going on because they do get to the people who are really involved with all these teams and the recruitments of these players. 
I do take it with a grain of salt, but I do think it means something that Minnesota's up there. I would, however, caution Minnesota Gopher fans when it comes to getting too optimistic about bringing a guy like Chet Holmgren in. I know he's right there at Minnehaha. I know he grew up watching the Minnesota Gophers. I understand that Richard Pitino has not always been great when it comes to recruiting in-state talent. But when it comes to this guy, top recruit in the country, has a big, big future ahead of him, one in which he's looking beyond college basketball. Let's be honest, Chet Holmgren's thinking about which school does he want to stay at for one season before he cashes his check to the NBA. Which school gives him the best opportunity to make the most money when he does choose to go to that NBA? And when it comes to the top recruits in the country, we're talking about blue blood schools that are going after these guys. The Dukes, the Kansases, the Kentuckys. These are the kind of players that it doesn't really matter if you're in the backyard or not because every single school in the country wants him. I'm not saying Chet Holmgren isn't going to go to Minnesota. Maybe he does. Maybe he does want to stay at home. I don't know what the kid's thinking. Nobody really knows what the kid's thinking as far as his priorities in choosing a school. But at least in the experience I've had following these kinds of things. And fully admitting it's not as long as plenty of other people who are making some of these predictions about where people will go. But at least with what I've seen from these things, with the top of the top, the best of the best, location hasn't been a big priority. Again, these guys aren't thinking about spending time at this place very long. For a lot of the ones that are the best of the best, the ones who are looking to get there, spend a season, and then go to the NBA like Holmgren assumingly is, for guys like that, I would imagine location isn't a big issue. It's more about getting the most value out of yourself. Which school can make you the most valuable to an NBA team at the end of the year? And those are the blue blood teams. It's not Minnesota, and it's not the Gophers. Again, maybe he wants to stay at home. Maybe that's what he wants to do and what he prioritizes in a school. But at least in the time that I've had to be able to follow things like this, recruitments and commitments from guys from top-level recruits down to the three- and two-star players, the higher up you go, the less the location seems to matter because the more everything else matters. The stakes are higher for Chet Holmgren as the number one recruit in the country to choose a school where he's going to be able to succeed the best. For the three-star guys or the four-star guys who maybe have already accepted that they aren't going to go pro or at the very least realize that they need to have the right situation to put themselves in a position to go pro, yeah, maybe location plays more of a factor. Maybe playing time plays more of a factor. But when you're the best of the best, you've got the pick of the litter. And I'd imagine it's all about, for a lot of guys, being able to value yourself and make your stock rise the most before draft day. I'd imagine Chet Holmgren is the same. It's just what I've seen throughout history. And again, maybe he chooses Minnesota. Maybe he loves the Gophers and has been a Gopher fan his entire life. But I would put my money on a team like Gonzaga being able to snag him before any sort of Gopher team is able to whiff this guy. The Gophers just don't have the program right now to be pulling that level of recruit. And Holmgren, I get it. it. Again, in Minneapolis, right here in Minnesota, it should be easier to get his attention. But I do really feel like people underestimate just how hard it is for a school like a Minnesota to jump into a recruiting battle and be able to compete with a school like a Duke, with a school like a Gonzaga, who is recruiting him, with a school like a Kentucky. It's just two different levels of college basketball. Like we talked last week about how the Gophers and the Michigan Wolverines are on two different levels of college football, right? 
the Gophers are able to compete with Michigan, sure, but when it comes to who they're bringing in, Michigan, if a starter goes out, has a five-star recruit waiting in the backup spot. It's the same for the basketball court, and who knows? Maybe a guy like Chet Holmgren, someone who can start to change that culture, but if I had to put my money on it, I would not be picking the Gophers for where the Minnesota native is going to spend his one season before heading to the NBA. Well, hey, the Gophers are getting ready to face off against Iowa tomorrow night. So, you know, they've got a good reason to get up out of bed tomorrow morning. But not everyone has quite that, that extra little shot of energy and motivation you need to get yourself going every day or get something done at work or whatever it may be. But if you do need that extra shot of energy, I recommend Built Go. Now, you already know the Built name. We told you about Built Bar before. It's the largest growing protein bar in the world for a reason. They do it right. And they've done it again here with Built Go. But what exactly is it? Well, while Built Bars are, of course, just your regular old protein bars that, of course, taste great, have all sorts of protein, low carbs and low sugar as well, Built Go is the same kind of deal but in a smaller package for when you really just need that extra punch to get yourself through the day and break through that wall that you might have going throughout your afternoon. I know when I get later in the day and I'm trying to get stuff done, I do start to hit that bit of a wall where it's just so hard to keep on chugging away and going at that work. But Built Go can help you out. It's an easy little one and a half ounce package you can fit in your briefcase, golf bag, or even just in your pocket to get yourself through the day. It's the best workout gel on the market, like five hour energy without that same crash feeling, the same kind of stuff that you get with the Built Bar, just in a smaller package, all natural and better for your body too. They come in delicious flavors like peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut and chocolate mint and they've got outstanding things inside there too to make sure that you're staying healthy while you're getting your energy as well stuff like collagen proteins which are fast absorbing so you can get into your system fast get yourself going quick and it's easier on the stomach too we got a great offer for you as well go to builtgo.com and use promo code locked you'll get 20 percent off your next order again builtgo.com promo code locked 20 percent off your next order well, Built Go is going to be able to get yourself going throughout the day, but doesn't it seem like nowadays everything's go, go, go 24-7 all the time? Seems like there's always something to do. So when you do get a chance to relax, I recommend going with the beer that's the only one made literally to chill, and that's Coors Light. Now, obviously Coors Light, a great beer to just relax and chill out with too, but they're not just being figurative here. It's literally made to chill, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged as well. As crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. It's my beer of choice when I'm either sitting back to watch some gopher football or getting ready to watch some gopher basketball later on in the season. Any of those times, Coors Light is the beer for me. Got the remote in one hand, Coors Light in another. It's become a bit of a staple for me during the weekends. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Remember, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We'll be back in just a moment here, breaking down the Minnesota Gophers' new basketball players that they signed yesterday. They won't be on campus for a while, but it's always fun to look ahead, isn't it? And these guys are a couple of big mobile players, too. We'll break down more of them in just a little bit. Nate Dickinson here on Locked On Golden Gophers. Back at it again with the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Nate Dickinson with you. 
you're tuned in here where every single weekday we give you a chance to get up to date on everything going on here with the Minnesota Gophers. It can be a lot, I know, to try and squeeze everything you have to do in your day while also staying up to date on everything going on with the university. Well, that's why we're here. You give us half an hour every weekday, we'll let you know everything going down on campus that you may have missed just going throughout your busy day. A reminder that if you want to stay up to date outside of when you're listening to the podcast, you can follow us on our social media. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, sports director over at KATE Radio. My Twitter account is at NateOnKate. You can also follow our podcast Twitter page. Not a whole lot on there yet. We've been retweeting some stuff, but I've got something to do this weekend. That's kind of on my to-do list is really set up everything that I want to do with that social media page. So give us a follow on Twitter at LOGoldenGophers2. All right, we've gotten through all those formalities. Let's start breaking down some of these recruits that Minnesota signed yesterday. Really, the top two men's basketball recruits are who I want to talk about. I mean, it's the only two. I guess they are the top two as well. But Trayton Thompson and Kenny Poto, a couple of 6'11 guys, which is what jumps off the page at you when you take a look at these two players. They're big. 6'11 guys who are going to be able to come in and at least have a presence right away. And I think that's something that the Gophers were, one, looking for. I mean, you just look at their list of prospects. They went after long guys. But at the same time, it's such a valuable asset in college basketball size. Now, I know everyone thinks there's all sorts of players all over the place, and there are. So it really doesn't make that much of a difference. But I am still of the firm belief that it's much more valuable to get yourself a star player who's seven feet tall than the star player who's 6'5", 6'6", just by the way of supply. Yes, there are seven-footers all over the place. There are not seven-footers who are considered in the top 150 in their recruiting classes all over the place. That's the difference with these guys. And I think what Minnesota's really happy about more than anything is that they got some length here. I don't know if it's something Richard Pitino thought he really, really needed. I know that without Daniel Oturu last year, that team would have been miserable as far as rebounding and inside position goes. But if you add these two guys, a couple of three-star commits, and just for some reference, Minnesota had three three-star commits signed last season. So this is about on par. But when you add in those guys with such an ability to not only be big presences inside, but as we'll talk about in a little bit, be able to evolve into dominant forces inside... That's something that I think the Gophers are really, really looking at with these kind of players. That ability to be big and then develop into the physical specimen they need to be. And that brings us to the first person I want to talk about in Trayton Thompson. Trayton Thompson, again, as I mentioned, six foot eleven. As of right now, number 122 in the class of 2021. He's number 22 at out of centers, which are rated, but I wouldn't really consider him a true center when he gets to college. But when you look at Trayton Thompson's numbers... You see the six foot eleven height, and you're thinking, oh, all right, nice. But then you look at the number right next to it, the 190 weight. And that, I think, is the biggest thing that can propel Trayton Thompson's game as far as right away when he gets on campus at Minnesota is the weight that he'll be putting on in that college program. Just about everyone who comes into college basketball is doing so undersized. They just didn't get either the right kind of conditioning at high school or weren't being pushed as much as they will be. But anywho, this Thompson guy right now is not big enough to compete in the Big Ten. He's going to need to put on some size. And I'm not saying it's something he won't be able to do. Everybody has to do it when they get into this league, but it seems like Thompson is going to be able to benefit benefit from it a whole lot, which is something that I really wanted to just point out because 
when he gets a little bit bigger, as far as like muscle mass goes, he will be able to knock around with everybody else in the Big Ten. Right now, I'm not sure. And I believe there will be some growing pains. But into his game in general, I was really impressed with how well, and I was thinking about how I want to word this, but how well he works inside in transition. Now, Thompson's got an ability to carry the ball in transition as well that I think is pretty impressive for his size. He can run up and down the court. He can actually work a transition fast break with the ball in his hand and distribute where he needs to go. But what really, really impressed me in what I saw from his tapes that I looked at was the ability to find his spot to overpower a guy close to the basket in transition. There was a whole lot of either tip away on a steal or after a miss, he and his teammates just running and sprinting down the court, working the three-man weave or whatever it may be, and being able to pass the ball around and find Thompson in a spot that always seemed to be exactly where he needed to be. He's a bit of a lankier player right now, and maybe when he does put on that weight, his ability to move around in transition goes away. But right now, I was very impressed with his ability to like find the right spot, the right lane to go up for an alley-oop, or just get in the right position. As the rest of the offense is moving all around you, and again, not a half-court set, but to be able to find the spot, whether it's on the high post or on the block, that you know once you get the ball, you're going to be able to have the advantage. I saw countless instances of Thompson just going back door, really, in transition, and you're watching a highlight tape thinking, well, where is he? And all of a sudden, he comes in from out of frame, takes a pass, one dribble, up and a dunk. That's what I think impressed me most, was his ability to work an offense in the interior in the transition game. But also, he does have perimeter abilities, too. He seems to be able to shoot, at least to some degree. And I say seems to just because, again, I was watching highlight tapes, and I try not to judge shooting as much off of those highlight tapes because, well... You're not going to put any misses on the highlight tapes for starters. And I'm not much of a savant to the point where I can just look at a kid's form and say, oh, well, this is good, this is bad. I'm not that much of an expert when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I don't want to try and get into really analyzing the shot. But it seems like he does have a comfortability, both on the perimeter at the three-point line or at the high post at the free-throw line, to be able to at least put either a dribble on and pull up and make a shot or be able to catch and shoot and keep a defender honest. I have no idea if he's someone who's going to become a shooting big man or anything like that at the college level, but it's at least to a point where when you're guarding him, on the perimeter you're not able to give him two, three extra steps. You're going to have to put someone on him, actually, or he will pull up for that shot. And he's shown, at least through what I've seen, that he can hit it at a high enough rate to, again, garner the respect. Moving on, Kenny Poto, the other 6'11 player that the Gophers nabbed yesterday. I wrote down in my notes that I feel like he's kind of an opposite of Thompson in how he plays in a way that where Thompson is playing a little bit bigger than I think his size indicates when you first look at him because he's a really lanky guy right now. Again, only 190 pounds. So you'd expect him to be one of those stretch four kind of players who works outside then in. But Thompson is really able to play inside with an ability that I think exceeds his current level of skill otherwise. And I think his position or his size needs to get better in order to complement that inside game more. I think Poto's the exact opposite. He's someone you look at him, weighs in at 240 pounds at 6'11, 
and you see him and, and you're thinking, well, this is a post player, dominant kind of post guy. But his ability to move around the perimeter, I was really impressed with as well. He's more mobile than he looks. And again, he's another guy who once he gets into Minnesota and puts all that weight in all the right places, you're going to be able to really, really get a dominant guy out there. If it works out, of course. Because you can still definitely see that while he is able to dribble around a little bit down low, and he does work mostly in the post while Thompson does work more outside, when he throws that ball down, you can just see the power he has with it. He's also comfortable defending on the perimeter. He's not an offensive perimeter player for sure, but he's able to at least step out and be the kind of respectable defender that you might put on a guy like Trayton Thompson if he's out there on the perimeter. So those are good things to see from these guys. But really what I was focused on more than anything was the idea of what they'll look like, say, like two, three years from now when they're fully into this system. And as I mentioned, fully developed into the kind of physical basketball players that they need. Both these guys are going to get a whole lot better with the conditioning program that a Big Ten team puts in. They're the raw talent, and the Gophers are hoping that they're able to put the people around them to turn that raw talent into a physical specimen that can match the physical abilities of everybody else in this conference and put the Gophers in a position where they've got some really good players here. As far as making an impact right away, I don't expect either of them to. They have a ways to go, and again, they still have a full year left before they get onto campus with Minnesota. But I do not think that in the winter of 2021, you're going to be seeing either of these guys making that huge of an impact on the floor. Maybe they get minutes, but I don't see either of these guys starting right away unless one of them shows something in these last few months here that I haven't seen. But aside from that, I'd expect them to be more guys who are able to get in there as a sophomore and get good minutes. And then junior and senior year, you obviously separate the men from the boys and see, all right, who's going to be starting with this team? I don't think there's anyone who's going to come in and right away be a breakout player for the Gophers. These are guys that Minnesota is ready to develop, and that takes a little time to do. Coming up after the break here on the Golden Gophers Locked On podcast, there's a football game tomorrow, and we haven't even talked about it yet. We've been spending so much time with these recruits. After our break, we'll break down a little bit of this Iowa-Minnesota game. Of course, we're going to do a whole lot of that tomorrow, but I'll give you at least a little bit of a preview as to maybe what you can expect us to talk about on tomorrow's show here in a bit. We will have a guest from the Locked On Iowa podcast on with us as well tomorrow afternoon. We'll give you a little bit of what we'll be asking him about, too. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Nate Dickinson with the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Back on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast as we start to wind things down here in the final segment. Nate Dickinson with you. I'm your host every single weekday as we talk Gophers football, basketball, really whatever's going on. And we are going to talk a little bit about the matchup tomorrow against Iowa. Now we will have Andrew Wade on. He's the host of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast with Iowa and everything going on there. And he'll break down everything with this team and exactly what Iowa's about tomorrow on the show. And we'll do a full preview of exactly what will go down with the Gophers and the Hawkeyes. But I do want to at least give you a little bit of an idea before I head out today of what this Hawkeye team looks like, if you have not been paying attention. First, just taking a look at how these two teams come into this game as a whole. It's a pretty similar spot, but a kind of different way for both of these teams to get there. Now, both teams started out 0-2. They got their first win of the season last week, but Iowa's been a little bit different. First off, the Hawkeyes have been in every game that they've played this season. That's something the Gophers can't say. They could easily argue that they could be 3-0 and right now. Another thing that I don't think Gophers fans would be very comfortable saying, just by the way that they've played. 
Also, Iowa's lost to teams who are proving to be some of the best in the Big Ten so far. Their two losses are to Northwestern and Purdue, the two teams at the top of the Big Ten West standings. That, now, that's obviously not good for their chances at making a Big Ten title game, but it does mean that the teams they're losing to are at least teams that are starting out really good. How good are, in actuality, Purdue and Northwestern? I don't know, but at least they're playing well, and Iowa lost to teams that are playing well. You could say the same about Maryland's loss, though, or the Maryland loss by Minnesota, too. So it goes both ways. Also, last week, Iowa lost to a Michigan State team that at least had some respect in the Big Ten. Illinois really does not. I mean, they lost by 40 or whatever it was to Northwestern earlier in the season. The Michigan State win for Iowa looks better than an Illinois win for Minnesota, but that's not really what's important right now. What's important is that both of these teams come into this game needing wins to, I believe, and we'll ask Andrew about this next week, or tomorrow, not next week. We'll ask him about if this is a game where Iowa feels like it's one to get its head back above water. Because that's where I feel like the Gophers are at right now. This team lost two games that it was not expecting to lose both of to start the season. Came into week three, got the job done, and really beat up on an Illinois team that it should have beat up on. But now comes into this game still with plenty of worry. And a rivalry matchup in which Minnesota, I think if it wins, will be at 2-2 two and two, and will still have plenty of problems to deal with but I think fans will be more accepting that this team can be good again this season. If Iowa beats up on Minnesota on Friday night, it'll be right back to the dumpster that we were in last week, wouldn't it be? Iowa's in a similar spot. This team, as I mentioned, believes that it could have gone 3-0 and in the first three games. We'll ask Andrew about exactly what the atmosphere was like after that second loss tomorrow, too. But I'm very interested to hear what his perspective is as what Iowa thinks it has going into this one. What are the stakes here? Obviously, the bacon's always there with this rivalry game. But right now, as far as the season goes for the Hawkeyes, they're in a similar spot. Get back to 2-2, two and two, beat a rival in Minnesota that at least has shown that it's a good enough team to be worth beating. And then they're back where they're in a spot that they think they can be successful again this season. That's what's at stake here today, or tomorrow, I should say. These two teams looking to get back above water. Stop sinking. And a win for both of them gets him back to 500, gets him back to at least even on the wins and losses. And I think at least for both of these squads, if you get the win, you can really say, all right, we're back to even. Let's reset and really attack the rest of this year. If the Gophers end up 1-3 after Friday night, that's much uglier. But we'll talk more about that with Andrew and the implications big picture tomorrow. We'll also talk to him about some of the individual guys. But just a little bit of the highlights the quarterback will be Spencer Petras. He's a first-year starter at Iowa. He has yet to complete 60% of his passes in a game all season. He threw three picks against Northwestern. Actually threw for the least amount of yards of the season in the win over Michigan State. Now, how do you score 49 points that way? Well, Iowa had a punt return for a touchdown and an interception brought back for a score as well. But for Pete Petras, he's been someone who has been inconsistent as a junior kind of still getting his feet under him. And if I was the Minnesota defense, I would be trying to bother him. Make sure that he doesn't get comfortable for the first time against the Gophers. Because, again, that defense has plenty of other things to worry about. So what was the difference between the losses and the win then for Iowa, on offense at least? It would have been Tyler Goodson. Because he broke out last weekend against Michigan State. 14 carries for 113 yards and two touchdowns. His first time over the century mark all season. The other running back will be Makai Sargent. 
He got the goal line carries late for Iowa, and you can look for that duo to be key because I don't need to tell you again how bad Minnesota has been in stopping the run game. If they can slow down Goodson and Sargent on Friday, I think they got a good shot at being able to do really good on defense like they did last week against Illinois. If they end up being able to have good games, then I think Iowa's going to have a good shot here. That's, I think, my biggest key. But we'll ask Andrew what his is tomorrow, too. It'll be a nice little test for the Minnesota Gophers tomorrow night. As I said earlier on the show this week, you got that Maryland game that really puts you to the bottom. Illinois gives you the win that gets you back up. And now you can take that first step back up the staircase to the top of the Big Ten, I think, by beating this Iowa team. Again, I'm not saying Minnesota ends up at the top of the Big Ten at the end of the season, but as far as being able to reestablish yourself as a competitive football team, I think the first step after losing to Maryland is beating up on a really bad team like Illinois, and now you get your next test, the kind of next level in an Iowa Hawkeye team at 1-2 and two as well. We're going to be breaking down that matchup all episode tomorrow on a game day show of the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Every single weekday, we got a half hour of everything you need to know about what's going on at the University of Minnesota. I'll be back tomorrow morning with another episode with Andrew Wade of Locked On Hawkeyes. Until then, Nate Dickinson, this has been the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast.